What a great reminder. Nobody else will love the sinner but Jesus. Think about that. Incredible. But he commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Worst day of your life, that's when Christ loved you. Let's turn our Bibles this morning, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we have had four baby dedications in four months. And that's, that's a real blessing. And I, I enjoy that. But I'll be honest with you, it's difficult to find something new to say every time. And if, if it was over a course of a year, maybe you could uh, have people forget what you said last time. And so, but to preach a message uh, every time is difficult. But today, I, I felt like I'm going to address Titus. Oh, yes, children, I'm sorry, go. Go, go, go. We had so much going on, I thought, man, I made it. I got through the whole order and I didn't forget a thing, but there we go. I'm going to address Titus today. I'm going to speak about Christian manhood. And uh, we, we live in a day and age where manhood is under attack, isn't it? How many of you have heard that phrase, toxic masculinity? I don't even know what that means. I, I, don't, I don't understand what is wrong with being a man, having courage, having boldness, standing for right. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And so let's, let's turn our attention there. And though I'm speaking about Christian manhood, you understand that it applies to all of us in this room. There, there might be some things that I say that you might say, well, I'm a lady and that, I don't know if that really applies to me, perhaps, you know, about physical brawn or something. And, and I understand that. But when it comes to spiritual strength, each of us must have on the armor of God. And each of us today must understand that we are to be strong in the power and the might of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to look at a couple verses and I hope and pray that it'll be a help to us. Let me, let me mention this this morning if I can. Could I encourage you to come tonight? And I know some of you say, well, it's always been my habit to be Sunday mornings and uh, wherever I've come from, from, I grew up on Sunday mornings. Let me encourage you to come tonight, and I'm going to ask you for a couple things in regard. On Wednesday night, when Pastor Paul was was preaching, the Lord began to speak to my heart about something, and I I, I jotted down some notes real quickly. I I don't know if you're like me or not, but uh, uh, the Lord will say something to my heart, and I'll say I'm going to uh, preach that coming Sunday, and then I forget. I don't remember. Lord, what was it? It was so. It just. But I, I never forgot this one. I, I wrote some notes down, and yesterday morning, we, of course, with, with the funeral this week, we'd had a busy week, and so I came in early yesterday morning, and I was in my office, and the Lord began to preach to me, and I, it, just, it just tore me up for about two hours as I just went through these different thoughts and different passages, and it just really began to speak to my heart and move. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. I desperately will need your prayer. Because here's what I've experienced in my ministry. When I get excited about something, it often falls on its face. And uh, I think maybe because I get excited and I get all wound up and I don't pray enough. And I don't want that to be the case because it, it, it pierced my soul and tore me up so much. I was sharing it with my wife and she's like, oh my goodness. And it's just, just nothing that I said, all about what the Lord did. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. I would encourage you to be here. And again, not because I'm going to say anything profound or exciting, but I believe if the Lord would speak to your heart like he spoke to mine this week, that it would be a help to you and it will be a blessing to you. 
And I, I say that, I, I, don't, I don't know how to say these things sometimes. I don't want to sound prideful. I say it with all humility that it's all about the word of God and it's all about Jesus Christ. And I believe he can move in your heart and speak to you. And, and so if you believe this is the word of God, we ought to listen to it. Amen. Several years ago, Pastor, uh, oh boy, the name just slipped right on my head, uh, out in Portishville Prairie, Pastor Carlson, uh, the folks in their church wanted to buy a Bible for every member of parliament in Canada. And so they bought these Bibles and two of their men traveled to Ottawa while, while parliament was in session. And they had made, weeks earlier, made appointments with every single member of parliament over the course of a week. And they went into every room and they spoke to every office and they handed them a Bible and they told them about the Lord and they gave it to them. One of the members of parliament, I don't remember who he was, looked at that Bible on his desk and he slumped back in his chair. And they thought they were going to get an earful. And he says, do you believe that that is the word of God? And they said, yes, sir, we believe it with all our heart. And here's what the MP said, then why don't we follow it? Amen. Brokenhearted, he said, why don't we follow it then? And that's the truth. If we believe this to be the word of God, we ought to listen to it as much as we can. And we ought to be around God's word and God's preaching as much as we can. So I encourage you to be here tonight. And uh, I hope and I'm praying and I ask that you would pray for me as I, as I share this message that really, really worked in my heart. And uh, I need preaching too. And I love it when the Lord speaks to my heart. And so would you come? First Corinthians chapter 16, look if you will at verse 13. This passage right here is a preacher's dream. Because there's just five things right there. They just jump off the page. There's not a lot of searching, running around the scriptures to find the points that you want. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and he is summarizing some things and addressing some people. And he gives five principles in just about 20 words that will help us today if we'll listen on Christian manhood. Verse 13, the Bible says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith... Quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. Let me read it again. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. You know, let's do this. Let's read it all together out loud. Let's do that. This is a couple uh, verses of scripture that you could memorize very easily. If we just said it a couple times, you'd have it in your mind already. But here's the important thing. It shouldn't be just in our minds. We have to hide it in our heart. All right? So let's, let's read it together. Verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. The Apostle Paul makes five statements here in summary to the church of Corinth. We're going to look at each of those today. As we consider Christian manhood, let's pray. Father, stir us and speak to us. We pray, Lord, that these principles, though we likely already know them, Lord, we also need to practice them. So I pray that Jesus would open up the scriptures to us today, that you would speak to us, that you would help us. Lord, we need your spirit. I surrender to you and ask that you'd fill me. And I pray that the spirit of God would speak to each one. Lord, bless us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God gave us 
three institutions. He gave us, we know, the church. And he gave us government. And he also gave us the home. We know those three things. And each of those have structure. God put an order in place. And we, we know that the Satan, he loves attacking anything that God does. I, I mean, if, if we think about it, he has received the title, well, anti-Christ. He's against everything that is God. And so he attacks and he attacks. And we see that today and perhaps more than any time in history, but I really don't know if that's true. I think the home has always been under attack. But it just feels so different today. I, I would guess that most of the children that we just dismissed to our Sunday school hour, many of them come from fatherless homes. If, if you're a dad today and you are taking care of your children, praise the Lord. That is God's design for the home, that a mom and a dad will raise their children together. Listen, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Some of the most comforting words I have ever received from a friend were from Tony Baker when he said God had two children. He was a perfect father. He put them in a perfect garden, and they still find a way to mess up. And it's true. And so if you're here hanging your head today saying, oh, my child, am I, they're not making decisions that I like, uh, rest assured that they belong to God. And just as we gave grace and mercy to the Lord today, I will encourage, uh, encourage Titus and Natasha to know that, that your kids are going to make mistakes. They are flesh, and they're going to sin, and they're going to make decisions that you're not always pleased about, but rest assured they belong to God. And God is faithful. He'll never leave them nor forsake them. Just trust him and pray for them and love them. So many of our children that come to our church, they don't have a dad in the home. A lot of times we have learned over the years that we'll have a lot of kids come to master clubs because they live at their mom's place, but on Sunday they can't come to church because they're in another town at dad's place. What a, what a difficult, difficult situation. I, I want to say to you today that if you're a man here today and you have a fathered a child, have the courage to raise that child. Have the courage to be a man, to stand up and take responsibility. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Years ago, there was a, a law that uh, I'll just share with you. My wife's family, they, they had their dad run out on them. Years, and she was just little. And Texas enacted a deadbeat dad law. And they said, we're going to find these dads that have run out on these moms. Wherever they are, we're going to find you. Several years after that, my mother-in-law received a check in the mail, a good-sized check for back pay. They had found him in New York State, and they garnished his wages, and they sent a check. They took it right out of him. Hey, don't let that happen to you. Be a dad. Take care of your kids. Supply for them. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can always buy them a new bicycle or $1,000 gifts and tablet. It seems well, they always have a tablet in their hand or a phone or something. You may not be able to afford those things, but you should put food on the table. You ought to work hard. They ought to know that you love them and love their mother. This will be a man. 
As we read in the scriptures today, I think we, I could broaden the passage a little bit and we would find that the Apostle Paul often had instruction for men. He had instruction for men that he didn't often give to ladies, such as husbands love your wives. He never had to tell the ladies that, but he told the men. And here in this passage, he says, quit you like men, be a man. So I want to give you these five things this morning. We'll just take them as the scripture has given them to us. We need Christian men. We need Christian men. And let me, let me encourage you, gentlemen, here today. If you are a Christian man, and you say, well, my children are grown in God and gone from my home, and they, they have families of their own, and, and they live in a different place. And, and so in the context of the local church, I don't have a lot of influence. Friends, any one of these kids could use a Christian dad. There are some teenagers here sitting on the back row today that could use one of you men to come and put an arm around them and say, let me pray with you at the end of the service. Let me encourage you. Is there anything that you need in your home? And we can mentor others. We need that kind of Christian manhood in our church today. So let me give you these five things. And number one, we see a Christian man is watchful. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13, watch ye stand fast in the faith quit you like men be strong and that phrase watchy is a shepherding term think of david out on the hillside watching the sheep we know that david slew both a lion and a bear he had to be watchful that means he had to be alert and awake and that's what this word means as a watchy he paul is using a shepherding term you're being on guard you're watching over something that has been entrusted to your care. It carries it with the idea of being sober, paying attention. I believe that today there's a greater need than ever before for parents to be involved in their children's education. Do you, you ever sit down with your child and ask them, hey, what did you learn in school today? What is the answer 99% of the time? Nothing. It's true. You need to dig a little deeper. They hear fairy tales all the time, like millions and millions of years ago. But unfortunately, they've, they've moved on from that. And they're attacking gender. They're attacking the family. They're attack, attacking sexuality, human sexuality. And it's becoming more and more filthy all the time. And they're brainwashing our children and they think it's all okay They've called evil good and good evil. You need to check in. That's what the phrase watchy means, is to be alert and to be sober-minded and keep an eye on these things. And, hey, check their phones. Oh, well, that's, that's private. Not if you're living in my house, buddy. Private. That's private conversation. Hey, let me tell you this. If they don't want you looking, there's a reason. There's a reason. Now, I believe you ought to have a mutual respect in the home, no doubt. But as soon as they start hiding things, men, you have to be watchful. You have to be watchful. But here's some keys that we need to understand. First of all, the Bible says we have to take watch first over ourselves. We have to take watch first. Listen, you cannot be a help to your family if you're not disciplining your own life. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, 
For out of it are the issues of life. Friend, listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm preaching to myself as well today. Paul said this, I keep my body under subjection lest I become a castaway. That means I I don't want to be uh, unuseful for God. I don't want to be taken out of the role that God has placed in my life by sinning and making mistakes. And so I preach to myself like the apostle Paul and says, "I, I need to keep my mind right and my heart right and my life right. If I'm going to be a help to anybody... 1 Timothy 4.16, Paul says to young Timothy, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. There's a responsibility, men, that we are to walk godly in Christ Jesus, that we might be a help and an influence to others. And then we must also immerse ourselves in the word. Turn, if you will, to Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 this morning, and uh, we're going to look up a couple scriptures here. Psalm chapter 1. Just open right to the middle of your Bible and turn back a few pages. Psalm chapter 1. Listen to this. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You say, well, those all sound like bad things. Here's the flip side of it. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. When I read that passage in verse 3, I think of a mighty oak. You can't push that thing over. Several years ago, I went out to British Columbia, and I was preaching the men's retreat, and Pastor Connor drove me through Stanley Park. We stopped and saw some of those giant redwoods. They have one that you can drive a car right through. It's so big. Planted right by the ocean front, the water. The roots are nourished regularly, and those trees are massive. He says, you're not going to be a little twig blowing in the wind. You'll be a tree planted by the rivers of water. And so we are to meditate upon the word of God. We are to make it the, the, the source of all wisdom in our life. Look, if you will, at Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy, or sorry, chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32, and I'm going to read verse 46. For sake of time, I'm not going to wait on you, so listen. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe to do. All the words of this law. For it is not a vain thing for you, because it is your life. And through this thing ye shall prolong your days in the land, whither ye go over Jordan to possess it. Let me back up to verse uh, 42 or 46 again and read it again. And he said unto them, Set your hearts unto all the words which I testify among you this day, which ye shall command your children to observe and to do. We are to watch over ourselves and immerse ourselves in a word, but also to teach it to our children. Then, and only then, can we watch over others. Watch ye. Philippians chapter 2 says this, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So we are to watch ourselves, we are to guide our conduct, we are to make sure that we are immersing ourselves in the word because then we can follow the scriptural principle to esteem the things of others. We can be a help, we can be an example. So a Christian man is watchful. Number two, a Christian man is grounded. Look back in our passage in 1 Corinthians 16. 
He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Stand fast in the faith. A Christian man is one who's decided some things. He has some convictions in his life. Stand fast in the faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. I hope that's settled in your heart today. There ought to be some things that we are grounded in. There's a lot of times people come to me and say, Pastor, i got a question about, about this. Can you help me with it? And I'll say, go ahead, shoot. And they'll give me the question, I'll say, I have no clue. I have no idea. I'll try to find out. I'll study it out. I'll try to figure it out. I'll look up some commentaries. I'll do whatever I got to do. But I don't know. But if somebody comes to me and says, Pastor, can you tell me how to be saved? I want to be grounded right there. I, I want to know. There's a lot of things in this life I don't have the answer to, but I want to know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. These things have I written unto them that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I, I want to believe with all my heart that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. Understand John chapter 14. Jesus says to the disciples, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. And he said to the disciples this, and he says, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And Thomas, who is doubting Thomas, says, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, what I believe he was saying is this, all of this doesn't matter. All that matters is I am the way. Don't worry about all this. Just make sure you know that I'm the only way to get there. You don't have to, to know the directions. You don't need a road map. All you need to know is me. And if we know Jesus, is to know life eternal. Do you know him? So the Christian man is grounded in some things. He will stand fast in the faith. There are some things in the Bible that are non-negotiable, that we believe to be right and wrong, black and white, and there is no gray area. Uh, and so we must stand upon those things. The Bible says we are to earnestly contend for the faith. Listen, men, if you're not all that grounded, can I encourage you, get into a discipleship class. Learn the basic doctrines of the faith. You look around this room and you see some young men. What if they came to you with a question? Can you tell me about heaven? Can you tell me what it means to, to have my sins forgiven? What's it, what's it talking about when the Bible says the remission of sins? What's the Bible mean when it says we are justified by faith? If you're looking at me like a deer in the headlights this morning, you need to be discipled that you might be able to help others also. So stand fast in the faith. A Christian man is grounded. How do we get grounded? 2 Timothy 2 says this, Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Are you settled this morning that God's word is in fact God's word? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16. Colossians 1.23 says this, If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. He says the faith of the gospel can only be real in our lives if we are grounded and settled. That means we believe it. We know it to be true. 
A Christian man is grounded. Number three, a Christian man is courageous. Quit you like men. That phrase, quit you like men, comes from one Greek word, and it means to show yourself a man or to be courageous. Understand this, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is doing right in the face of fear. Overcoming our fears. We, we let our emotions and our fear dictate so often. We don't like an uncomfortable conversation, so we don't stand. We don't like the danger that is involved, so we don't rush headlong into it. But a Christian man is courageous. The word discourage, you say, well, I, I just, the Lord has discouraged me. The Lord has never discouraged anybody. The word discourage means to take courage from. That's what it means. It's the opposite of courage. To remove courage, to dishearten somebody, to, to remove that fire in their belly, to say, I'm going to move forward no matter what the fear is. And fear can cause discouragement. The Lord has never The Lord has always exhorted. He's always encouraged. He's always tried to help. He lends courage. And this phrase, quit you like men, means that God will give us courage. The Bible says that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. That's what comes from God. And as men of, uh, of the Bible and as men of courage, we ought to cling to the word of God because it will only help us and will always give us courage. The Bible says his spirit is a comforting spirit. You say, what's that got to do with courage? Because he comforts our fears. He says, come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. There is a burden, there's a yoke to carry. The Bible calls it a cross. We are to take up the cross and follow him. But we never do it alone. Because in a yoke, Jesus is always pulling with us. We can have courage. By his spirit, the Bible says we're to have the fruit of the spirit. So, some of you men, some of you men, listen. Your greatest fear is telling your kids you love them. I can't tell you how many kids I've heard say, my dad never said he loved me. I never knew if my dad loved me. You're afraid of your own emotions. Have courage. Quit you like men. And face those fears. Here, here's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Here's what the Spirit of God... Hey, how, many, how many of you say that, that Jesus was a man? I, I don't mean a male. He was a man. The Bible talks about in Hebrews that, that, that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, the suffering, and the shame... He looked beyond the, the pain he, as he prayed in the garden. He said, Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's courage. Jesus was a man. And he sent his spirit. And his spirit, here's what he does in your life. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. Just because you're a man doesn't mean you can't be gentle. You can't be kind. Goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let me say this. The Spirit of God doesn't only give fruit, but it gives fire. Amen. It gives fire. Men, what are you passionate about? I keep saying, men, ladies, I hope you're listening. What are you passionate about? You're passionate about the Word of God. People see it. 
People see it. Every Sunday morning, I will get a bowl of oatmeal, and I'll, I'll read my Bible and stuff, and I put on some music. And I always start with the California Baptist University. Behold our God. But it's not necessarily the song. And they sing several songs. I'll listen to several of them. It's how they sing it. I mean, good night. Their faces are radiant. If the trumpet puts down the trumpet and he's not playing the trumpet, he's singing at the top of his lungs and he's in the orchestra. And they're smiling and they're moving their heads. And and you say, what is it? They believe what they're singing. There's a passion. And several times I prayed, Lord, let me have that passion today at church. Let me have the courage to stand up and, and, and tell what God says and, and, and let people know that I believe it. Do you have that kind of passion? The Spirit of God gives fire. The Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God came and it was like cloven tongues of fire. And that fire swept through that early church and thousands were saved. As God got a hold of them with his spirit. A Christian man is courageous. Look at the fourth thing. A Christian man is strong. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Be strong. You say, how do do I become strong? That's not the same as courageous, right? A weak person could be courageous. Some of the most courageous people I ever saw were, were, were weaker people. Uh, it's, it's amazing how, how God fires them up. But this is talking about having a spiritual strength. Not a physical strength, a brawn. But having a spiritual strength. Able to face things. Able to, by the grace of God, hold on. I remember several years ago, I think I just shared this with you a couple weeks ago, the Armchuck family and their daughter, Died of cancer. And I, and I went up to see Mr. and Mrs. Armchuck. They were in a nursing home. And I said, how are we doing today? And they said, oh, we're doing, we're doing well, Pastor. And they're smiling. Just had joy. Their daughter knew the Lord. And I, I looked at Brother Mike first, and I shook his hand. And I said, well, we're praying for you. And he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And I looked at Mrs. Armchuck, who was in a wheelchair, and she says, I refuse to worry, I just pray. That strength. You wouldn't pick either one of them to help you cut down a tree or to rake your yard. You wouldn't run a marathon with them. You wouldn't, I wouldn't run a marathon anyway. They didn't have physical strength, but spiritually they were fit. The Bible says this, bodily exercise profiteth little. Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. They were the strong, some of the strongest people I've ever met. A Christian man is strong. Turn, if you will, to 2 Corinthians for just a few pages, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians, or sorry, chapter 12. You see, how do I have strength? This is, this is going to sound counterproductive. This is going to sound... This is going to sound the opposite of what you think you need. Here's what the Bible says. In our weakness, he is made strong. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
Paul said, I die daily. It's in our weakness and in dying to self is when God is made strong. And that's how a Christian man is spiritually strong. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my grace, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Howard Patterson was ravished by the illness of Alzheimer's. He, he, was, he had worked for Oswald J. Smith at the People's Church in Toronto. He ran all of his soup kitchens. And so Howard Patterson, we called him Pat. That was his nickname, Pat Patterson. Pat would take his accordion and he would stand on a street corner and he'd play his accordion to all the homeless people and they'd come and they'd listen and they'd say, you want a meal, some soup and a warm bed tonight, come with me. And they'd, he'd take them down to one of the homeless shelters, the soup kitchens, and he'd preach the word of God to them. And then he'd feed them. And he says, they didn't get to eat until I preached to them. And, and he did that. And for years, and I even heard a little cassette tape around the time of his funeral, just him playing his accordion and singing and then preaching a little bit. And what a blessing. But I met him with Alzheimer's. He couldn't remember his wife's name. He covered it up so well. It was his birthday. He turned 82 years old. And I went to the nursing home and I said, hey, Brother Pat. I said, do you remember me? He says, best looking guy on the floor. <laughs> he, he lied good too. And I said, do you know what day it is today? He says, no. I said, it's your 82nd birthday. He says, man, I look good for 82. <laughs> he would cover up that he couldn't know anything by humor. I went to visit him just shortly before he died. And his wife, Madeline, was with him. He didn't know her name. He didn't know who we were. And she says, Pat, quote Psalm 27. He said, the Lord is the light of my salvation. And he quoted 14, all 14 verses. The last verse says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Quoted all chapter 27. And she always reminded me, that's because the word is hidden in your heart, not your head. Pat Patterson was the strongest man I knew two minutes before he died than a lot of people in the church today. Because he was spiritually fit. I, I'm not insulting anybody. I don't know your walk with God. I'm just saying he was such a spiritually fit man. Just right before. It's not about your physical strength, men. It's about exercising yourself rather unto godliness. A Christian man is strong. We must die to self. We must plea with God for his help. How often do you, that's one of the things men have a hard time doing, isn't it? Asking for help. You say, no, I have no problem with that. Let me ask you this. When, when was the last time one of you men stopped and asked for direction somewhere? Yeah? We, we, we think we can figure it out. We always have a physical answer to sometimes a spiritual problem. It's not wrong to ask for help. Especially when the creator of the world is sitting on a throne, and he beckons us to come boldly. God help me. Christian man, a Christian man is strong. 
Let me give you the last one, verse 14. A Christian man is loving. Verse 14 of our chapter. Let all your things be done with charity, with love. The Apostle Paul is summarizing, saying, let's be watchful in love. We talk about that shepherd. Sometimes... He said, well, David killed that lion. He killed that bear. That doesn't seem very loving. He did it because he loved the sheep. He did it because he loved the sheep. And sometimes it doesn't always seem loving, but God wants us to love our families by protecting them. He said, oh, well, they'll get mad at me. I take something from them. No, no, you're protecting them. Be watchful, but do it in love. The Bible says we are to speak the truth in love. We are to stand fast in the faith. We can, you, you, you can, listen, you can contend without being contentious, right? Mr. McKenzie used to say this to me all the time. We can disagree without being disagreeable. We don't have to fight over everything. It's okay for you to think differently. We can stand for truth and we can stand for the faith. Listen, there's a, there's a lot of... I don't, I don't know what word to use. Christian idiots? Is that unkind? Years ago, a young man who attended Crown College, Crown College of the Bible down in Knoxville, Tennessee. Good Bible school. A Channing judge went there, and others we know have gone there, and some in ministry today in Canada here serving. Uh, the folks in Barrie, a lot of their students go to that college. He went and he put a bomb in an abortion clinic and blew it up. He's in prison today. Now, don't get me wrong. I hate abortion. God hates abortion. God hates murder. And, and I, I double down. I mean, when I think about it, I, I look at little Theo and go, how could anybody? Here's the thing. Emily is not due till Tomorrow. If Theo were still inside, she could abort him legally in a lot of places. Isn't that terrible? And I've already held him. He's already smiled. At least I say it's a smile. I don't know. He's already said, Grandpa. No, he hasn't. How can anybody do that? But on the other hand, we can, we can take a stand without blowing up an abortion clinic. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Speak the truth in love. Everything we do, we are to watch, we are to stand, we are to be courageous in love. All these things. God, is, you said, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know much about this love. Oh, do I have a chapter for you? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Charity is love. Listen on. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, listen, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not his own. 
is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child... Man, listen to this. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Can I read that again? When I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Christian manhood, it's what we are called to be. Ladies, you can exhibit these traits as well, but all of it comes by surrender to God and his spirit, allowing him to make us what he wants us to be. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Speak to our hearts. Move in our midst. Lord, again, we pray for Titus and Natasha, as they raise these little ones. And Lord, there's so many parents in this room today. We cannot do it without your help. So God, I pray that you would just impress upon our hearts the need for us to cry out to you, to trust our families to you, to try to do our very best to raise them biblically in God's way. So bless us, we pray. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand this morning with our heads bowed. How about it, men? Maybe there's some that just say, I just want to be the man that I ought to be. I want to be the man that God wants me to be. Some of you are carrying burdens today, and we learned that we can go to God. His grace is sufficient. As God speaks to our hearts, would you pray today? Is there one here who said, Preacher, I'm not sure I know God. If Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, I, I need to come to him today. I need to trust Jesus because no man can come to the Father but by him. Let us help you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you out, but would you slip up your hand and let me pray for you? Nobody's looking around. Is there one? 